Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. The bedroom sessions continue. We are not talking with an RMT tonight because you know what? Uh, I like you RMTs, but um, there's a whole bunch of other people that are... Mm, just hanging out in the ocean, floating around. Some some floating nicely, some on yachts, and uh, some people are sinking. Yeah. So let's let's get the perspective from other people who might be in one of those positions. Did any of that even make fucking sense? That made sense. You're good. You're good. Hey, everyone, it's Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> it's Amanda, and we're talking to a former client of mine, and not a current client, but that's okay. We're having a conversation with clients tonight. This. Uh, particular guest works in hospitality uh you're a mixologist right is that like your official title that's a title uh, i've sure. been giving you i'll take that title yeah, <laughs> uh his name is chris what makes a mixologist what's the difference between a mixologist and a bartender i think it's all in the shake to be honest is it really <laughs> it's just in the shake it's the motion in the ocean that's ah. it <laughs> no i mean like we have actually brought you up on other episodes and i can't remember why but we've talked about the fact that um there are people who are like career bartenders slash mixologists like you're not just a guy that stands behind a bar and makes rum and cokes like you actually have an understanding of what blends well together and you know how to make drinks and i think you've even invented drinks and done contests and competitions and- like like this is this is what you do. You're a mixologist. You're not a bartender. I do and have done all of that stuff. So can I ask you a quick question before Amanda has you talk about yourself? Sure. What do we think of uh, John Taffer? Because I fell in love with that uh, with a TV show, a reality show called Bar Rescue. I don't know. A couple oh, years ago. it's yeah. John Taffer. The uh, yeah, he's the guy from uh, Bar Rescue. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think it's definitely made for TV. You know, there's a, a a lot that goes on behind the scenes that I think, um, you know, when someone like that goes in, they're obviously interested in ratings and, and that kind of, you know, watch the uh, train crash down the tracks uh, mentality for TV. But um, I mean, he's he's doing he's doing a very hard nosed, you know, cure all for for some of those bars. But I mean, if you if you watch that show, like a lot of those bars are just they should be shut down. I don't know that they should really be saved, but mm. are there a lot of John Taffers floating around? Is is that is that a real job? I don't, I don't uh, know anything about this industry. I'll be honest with you, I don't know any personally. Um, I haven't heard much of that as far as uh, you know anyone anyone actively being involved in that industry in in Toronto or even in in Canada. It might be an American thing. It might just be television. Yeah, it might also be the type of establishments. Like, I mean, I've known you for over a decade, and you've always worked at very high end places. That probably plays a factor. This is not going to. You've never worked in a place that would need to be rescued. Um, well, not no, since I've known so you. <laughs> to speak. There would no, and and you know, just to kind of delve into that a bit deeper. I've, I've been working in um, luxury hotels for the better part of the last decade. And um, they've got other resources, you know, at their whim to to help them if they're stuck in any type of rut. But again, without um, divulging my employer or previous employers, uh, they're, they're pretty safe in, uh, you know, even if they had a, a bad year or two and yeah, it would be yeah, like yeah. record breaking colossally bad year or two for them to even you know lose that space so uh, i don't know if my experience in the last 10 years would you know make sense to answer that question but uh i, I don't know of any most of them i know just kind of close on their own mm-hmm. maybe it's yeah i mean who knows we're talking about it now and 
you know, things are going to be a lot different on the uh, other side of this. I was going to say, this is a perfect segue. Maybe yeah, that is. Yeah, let's do this formal introduction. Storm. Yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah. So what we're going to do right now, Chris, is I'm going to let you, for our listeners, introduce yourself, um, who you are, how long you've been doing what you're doing. I, I know that you don't really want to divulge where you work, but, you know, just talk about the types of establishments you work in. And I think you've given some of the information already, but give a, a brief introduction about yourself. Sure. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm okay to give my name. Uh, so my name is Chris Rail. I won't divulge my employers, but um, for anyone really interested, I'm sure they can fish through social media and figure it out. Um, but I guess my background in the industry started, who, let's just say several years ago, um, not to give away too much. Um, but uh, I, I was traveling out west um, in Banff, Alberta, and got a job working in the dish pit at a chain restaurant, um, just kind of uh, feed myself and realized that there's a lot of, um, you know, help from within as far as uh, staff and whatnot, um, kind of helping you along, you know, to make your way, whether it's through uh, meals or or just, you know, uh, getting you in the door to another venue and whatnot. And it kind of intrigued me. So I pursued that a bit further while I was um, on some travels overseas. Um, funny enough, I had a really bad experience, which I don't know how it led me to my career path. But the very first job I ever had, I managed to lie my way into. And uh, there's a big horse race in Australia. And um, and my first day at work was, was uh, this day in particular. And they gave me a tray with about I'd say 20 glasses of champagne on it and asked me to give it out to the guests. And I literally made about two feet and lost one glass. And I'm sure uh, anyone in the industry uh, knows this. Uh, it's it's not worth it to try and save that one glass. Um, you tend to get rid of all those glasses at that point, which is what I did and uh, was mortified. And uh, anyways, um, was let go first shift that day, last shift that day. Well, you lied your way uh, into that job anyway. I did. You, you know, <laughs> I, it's I, karma, I mean, man. I, I don't want to. I don't want to rant, but um, really funny story to that was uh, the the manager came up to me at the end and was you know trying to butter his way around firing me, and um, you know said to me, he "Goes, I, I I seem to remember that your background was in fine dining, which I had no background." And trying to save some face, I said, yeah, you're absolutely right. And he, he looked me in the eyes. He says, well, he goes, I, I think, you know, maybe something a little slower paced, a little more guest orientated might be your angle. And I was like, OK, you're probably right. And, you know, funny enough, a week later, I applied to this uh, high end job at the Palazzo Versace Hotel in um, Australia and managed to get this job and was very successful at it. And anyways, came back home. And, and that's kind of uh, inevitably where my career started. I Worked at another chain for a bit, um, started uh, by serving and was promoted to the bar. And I've been on the bar ever since. Wow. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Is that where servers want to be behind the bar? Um, I don't know. I, To be honest, uh, I, I hadn't put much thought into it. It was really my, I'll say my first um, real job. I mean, I was back home. I, I needed to work. It wasn't, you know, like I was traveling where it doesn't matter what job you really do. It's all it's all play um you know so it was a job i needed to keep and and i kind of just i got pretty good at it and my manager you know noticed and asked if i wanted to be behind the bar which i guess at the time i i did without really thinking about it um they put me behind the bar and you know say la vie that's where i've been ever since um yeah and I've, then I've years had the luxury. later you are a mixologist <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I think so. Yeah. I, <laughs> I so. might qualify for that <laughs> title. I think so. Yeah. Mixed a few drinks by now, but yeah, I've had uh, the opportunity to um, run uh, the last few beverage programs at, at the uh, spaces I've been at in the last 10 years. It's been lots of fun and obviously working in uh, a luxury space. There's, um, uh, there's some luxuries that are afforded to you as an employee that uh, I, I wouldn't have uh, been able to enjoy elsewhere. And I think that's what keeps me going is, um, I'm, I'm, I'm able to, uh, use products that cost a bit more money, but my clientele is, um, willing and able to, uh, cover those costs when they purchase these, these beverages and creations that my team puts together. And so it's, it's a really fun experience. I've got a background in fashion design. Um, I've always been into to art and stuff like that. So I kind of just parlayed that into what I do now. And, um, you know, I tried to just come up with some uh, visceral creations for, for my guests to enjoy. So it's been fun. That's pretty cool. And I will tell everyone a fun fact. I, I know Chris's wife. I met her first. And I remember the first time going out with her and coming to one of the places that you were working at. And I remember walking in and my immediate thought was, I am so underdressed right now. <laughs> I do not belong here. <laughs> it's fair. But you know, you know what? I tell people this all the time because we, we get people coming in and or even friends of mine. They're just like, no, I can't can't do that. I can't do that. And I'm like, people show up. I mean, I work in a hotel. And people will legitimately show up having gone to the spa in their, you know, slippers from their room and the house coat from the spa <laughs> and they come down and they chill. And like, you know what, I, I don't know if I could do it personally and not be, you know, slightly uncomfortable within myself. But, you know, the fact is that these, these places like I, I, I would love the message to get out that these places are really for people to just come in and, and enjoy and, and be part of an experience. Um, I, I know I can speak on behalf of myself and, and the team that I work with, you know, we're there to make your experience as comfortable and memorable as possible. And um, by no means are we going to allow someone else, you know, to take away from your experience because of how you're dressed. Now I can appreciate, you know, everyone's kind of views of themselves and whatnot and, and wanting to feel comfortable. But um, from my point of view, uh, my job is to make you comfortable regardless. And, and, you show up in jogging pants and I almost look at you going, see, that's someone who knows what they're doing. They showed up, they're comfortable, they mean business, you know, because all these other people that are, are dressing up for show, that's, you know, generally what it is. And, and that's fine. It is a beautiful place to to look your best. But, you know, the, the ones that we notice, funny enough, and we're not pointing them out for bad, we're pointing them out for good is when you come in and, and you can tell that someone's just like, you know what, I, I just wanted to go out. I'm not interested in mm -hmm. putting on some some you know, ritzy dress or whatever, or, yeah. or, you know, some gentleman comes in and tries to wear some flashy suit. Although I appreciate both sides of it. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's all about being social and it's the, it's the hospitality industry is what it is. Mark and is so, so that's happy what we're right now. Do. Because I call it the kid rock rule. Yeah. I call it the kid rock rule. Whenever I, whenever I might feel like, man, I'm a little bit underdressed and I'm like, fuck that kid rock would walk in here. <laughs> well, that's it, right? Exactly. Like, you know, it's no one that here's the thing you walk in there. I would say confidence is, is key. Um, and, and again, don't come cause you're not confident, but if you walk in there, like anything, you walk in there like you own the place. How many times have you, you kind of said that adage to someone where, you know, you're trying to sneak in somewhere or 
get backstage at a concert and you're just like it's it's all about confidence yeah you walk in like you own the place exactly i'm supposed to be there yeah Yeah. fake it till you make it (laughs) well like i said the first night that i i went out with your wife and she was dressed very nicely and i like i knew we were going to sort of like a a ritzier place but i had been out with her and our other mutual friend who was visiting toronto that weekend uh the night before so i was just hung over felt like shit didn't want to go anyway (laughs) and i was like this is how you guys are getting me in my skinny jeans and a t-shirt and i don't know this was years ago you probably don't remember but i remember walking into your bar and i'm like this is like the nicest place i've ever looked this bad but cool whatever let's go have a drink (laughs) kid rock rule yeah Yeah, i've got a picture from that night and i'm standing between two girls who are beautifully dressed and i am actually in black skinny jeans and a t-shirt it was amazing see you actually did kid rock (laughs) (laughs) but the best part about that all like is is that uh you were probably one of a handful of people that knew the bartender which is the only person you need to know when you walk exactly i walked in there looking like i don't belong and guess what i got my drink first because i knew the bartender (laughs) yeah that's it that's it (laughs) anyway so okay now we got a little bit of background on you mark as i said to you off mic had a little bit of a motive for wanting to have you on here because as you said everyone's going through so much shit right now and you know everybody's in this storm together, but we're all on different boats. You know, there's there's the yachts, there's the sinking rafts, there's, you know, the people that are holding on to a, you know, kids floaty wings right now. And um, we obviously speak to a lot of RMTs and there's um, a handful of RMTs that I know already that have had to make the decision to permanently close their business or ones that are really afraid, especially being that tomorrow is the first of the month and we're all going to have to pay rent and not a lot of us qualified for any um, rent relief. From what you have seen in your industry, can you give us some sort of idea of what restaurants and bars are dealing with right now? Sure. I know. Um, I mean, I can I can maybe start off with, you know, how this you know, played out for me. Um, uh, obviously, uh, when the when the shutdown happened, I think it was the kind of came down the pipe on the 16th. Um, that was, I, I was scheduled to work the 16th and I would have been off the next two days. And I went into work, we kind of been preemptively getting ready for this to happen without a, a hard and fast rule. And, and then that, you know, lock, you know, they, they dropped the, you know, the logic on everyone. And so I went into work and we basically closed the bar down and, and got everything, you know, in the back of house um, just to prevent any sort of contamination or, or, or further work when we went back there, just cleaning and whatnot. And um, I maybe had at that point two, I think two guests all night long. Um, you know, typically not a busy, I think it was Monday, not a, you know, Mondays aren't the busiest, but, but still, you know, great for me. I get some regulars in there and, and whatnot and, um, you know, spent the night closing the bar and went and had some drinks with a buddy at his place afterwards. And that was the last day I went back to work. Um, I'd, I'd done a bit of research into this and knew that I was eligible to apply for EI at that moment because Curb hadn't come into play. Right. So I uh, I got, you know, right on the computer and I applied through EI, which is currently how I'm still getting paid. And, and that's really, I guess, had I just left it at that, that's, that's what I would be, you know, dealing with to to pay my bills and stuff. I've I've got um, friends of mine, for instance, which I'm sure everyone can can appreciate, who are paying, you know, twenty four hundred dollars in rent by themselves, and 
you know, curves covering, you know, two grand for them. They're already 400 in the hole before they've even, you know, spent anything on, on food and whatnot. So it's, I mean, and I'm not taking this away from anyone and I'm not playing my situation up for anyone because like everyone is, is, you know, what's the hashtag? We're all in this together. Like everyone is dealing with this. And I think, I think what's, what's benefited me going um, through this is, is actually, you know, working in hospitality is that the, the industry that I'm part of has, has really stepped up as a whole to support you know, their own. And I, I know these beverage companies, they're, they're billion dollar companies. Like when you hear some of them are being bought for like billion dollars, it's just, it, it blows your mind. But when you realize that everyone around the world drinks, it starts to make a little more sense and resonate within. But uh, these companies are stepping up in, in these like, you know, just unheard of times. And um, I'm part of a few different um, uh, bartending groups. There's a CPBA, which uh, has been very helpful. They're offering relief to bartenders. Now, obviously, they're trying to get money out to as many people as possible. Um, so the amounts aren't, you know, life changing, so to speak. But actually, no, I'm not going to strike that. They they are life changing because they're helping. Um, I, I know there's some other funds as well that are out there and available. You, you just really have to look. So I'm, I'm getting some help in places. Um, there's Another initiative, too, that was started up through uh, Grey Goose, where they're doing um, industry um, meals. So basically, they'll sponsor a bar or a restaurant, you know, one day in the week, and they put some money down on a food tab and basically purchase 20 to 50 meals um, for for industry people who are on furlough to enjoy. So you can still enjoy a restaurant prepared meal. Now, mind you, it's it's takeout and and you kind of warm it up at home. But, you know, those are just creature comforts where I don't know other industries that are really, you know, doing that. And and just to speak on your industry, you, you can't even, you know, reach out and offer someone a massage who might not be able to afford one and is just, no, you know, needs need something like that to, to just, you know, physically get over a, a hump or a mental hump or whatever. And um, you know, there's just uh, differences in industries and my industry is uh, partially open, um, you know, on a very small scale. But there are still, you know, businesses within the industry that, um, you know, they continue to make money. These, you know, people are still buying alcohol, yeah. um, you know, but they're they're donating to the tune of like, you know, $50,000 a month to some of these funds, you know, to be dispersed to, um, you know, furloughed uh, restaurant, front of house, back of house. Uh, on a monthly basis. And it's, I think it's great. That's incredible. I had no idea that these companies were doing that. And it makes a lot of sense. Like you said, everybody around the world um, is, is buying these products. And I don't, I don't know about everybody else, but I feel like I have been buying more. I, I've joked about it on a few of the uh, bedroom sessions lately that I'm, going through bottles of wine quicker because I'm home like a hundred percent of the time. So suddenly I'm cooking dinner and I'm like, oh, I'll just have a glass of wine while I cook. Oh, I'll have a glass of wine after dinner. Like I'm just, I feel like I'm going through more alcohol right now, actually. So I'm glad that these companies are stepping up and doing some things for you guys. All right. So, I mean, you sound like you're doing okay. Like you said, your situation is not the same as some of the other people's because you are able to collect EI and you're getting some assistance from um, some of these groups that you're in amongst your uh, server friends, bartender friends, other colleagues. Um, do you feel like 
this is sort of how other people are right now? Or do you feel like there's a lot of people in your industry that are really, really suffering right now? I'll say this. I mean, I've been doing this long enough that, um, you know, days are gone of, of me, you know, making some money in a night and finding the closest bar and, and blowing it all because easy come, easy go. Um, you know, when I started to realize this is something I wanted as far as a career was concerned at some point you got to, you know, respect the craft and, and realize that it is a job. And, you know, the only way to kind of elevate your status in life is to save some money and buy those nicer things and, and whatnot. And, uh, I, I, I will say this, I, uh, am unfortunately painfully aware of some, um, very close friends of mine who, uh, you know, still, uh, are, are into the party scene and going out and, and, you know, blowing money on a good night. Um, because you still had the tips from last night. There are definitely some people who, um, are, are a lot, you know, worse off. I think that's where these, um, you know, funds go. And, and I have no qualms when I'm filling out these applications. And, um, a lot of them do ask, are you getting money from elsewhere? You know, so they can divvy it up to, uh, to those people that, that need it most. But, um, sometimes you just, you just got to ask. Um, you, you can't sit there and be complacent and think that people are going to throw money at you because, you know, your story might be, you know, a little bit sadder than someone else's. Like everyone's in a tough jam. You know, there are, uh, there are monies that are available, um, probably to just about anyone, I think, regardless of what industry you're in, if you look hard enough, um, there, there are people who obviously are, are, uh, a little more financially stable, even with this going on, who are, are willing to help. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't stop actively looking for ways to find uh, additional help for, you know, for my family, but at the same time, you know, I'm not going to lie about my cause, uh, to get anything. So that's, that's kind of just where I'm at. And, and I do have the opportunity to do some things on, on my side, um, you know, to, to help out with the cause as well. Well, that's kind of a segue. I know we said we'd save this to the end, but you are doing something right now um, to help raise money, not for yourself, for other people. And I guess this is also how you're keeping yourself busy while not working, right? So why don't we just throw it out there right now? What new project do you have on the go right now? Sure. Well, uh, it had been a while since I'd actually, um, done anything creative with my sewing machine. I've got a, a background. My, my post-secondary education is in fashion design. Um, I've got an industrial sewing machine and some other equipment at home. And, um, I was kind of sitting at home. I'd, I'd kind of gotten past that initial wave of like, I'm going to get everything done around my apartment that I haven't had time to get done. I'm pretty sure like you're laughing because I know everyone has this and whether you're, I I hope to God at this point, everyone is beyond it because either you just uh, gave up hope or you've just uh, been doing jack shit for your own personal life at home, which is more my case. I just been doing nothing for myself at home for so long um, that, you know, I, I got home and I'm like, this is, you know, this is great. This is, this is going to last like a, a month and, you know, we'll get through this and, you know, I'll have a little, um, you know, vacation and, you know, I'll get all this stuff done. And, and, you know, you realize very fast that that's not enough to, to, you know, kind of keep you going mentally. I, I enjoy doing that. And I like that, you know, my apartment is 
you know, in some aspects has never looked better. I think what happened was <laughs> all the bits and pieces of garbage I've been hoarding in, in various rooms there is now just in one room <laughs> instead of all of them. But, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, kind of the way it is. But uh, I, I guess getting back to the point here is, um, you know, I was cleaning out my storage room and I've got two bins in there with all my fabric and some projects that I had like half finished, finished and whatnot. And I was just going through everything and came up across like you know a bunch of extra fabric and was just like you know I, I i should make something and you know i wasn't on this tip that i'm getting to but it's like i should make something because I, I i you know i miss it and then um some friends of mine started uh doing this um very close friends of mine um in in the fashion industry and um you know so i was like oh this is something i can do so what i'm getting at is i started uh, sewing up uh, environmentally friendly cotton fabric face masks and uh, these face masks um, they kind of uh, you know before the product is finished vaguely resemble a, a, a pillow sack and um, so by the time they're finished there's a, a little um, opening in it uh, it's two ply and you can you can kind of um, open up the top end and add an additional filter in it um, I, I've even kind of tweaked the design and now I've got, um, some, uh, I actually, uh, had my sister buy it from the dollar store and it's, it's garden wire. It just looks like more of an outdoor, uh, garbage tie and you can just make, uh, whatever size you want of, out of it. And, and so now I've stitched that in at the bridge of the nose. So it kind of, uh, is you just bend it uh, and it's form fitting to your nose just so it's got a tighter fit. But, um, that's what I've been doing for the last four days about, you know, eight to 10 hours a day or until my back hurts or, you know, the sun goes down or my wife starts screaming at me, I'm not spending any time with her. That's (laughs) usually, you know, where I'm at is in the room sewing these. And so I guess back, back to the point about, um, you know, being able to, how many, how many do you make in like an eight to 10 hour day? Uh, I'm, I'm still fine tuning everything as far as, you know, in the beginning I made a sample and I just went from start to finish. Um, and it, you know, it took a bit of time, but I was, some trial and error involved. Now I know what I'm doing. Um, I kind of spend a day just cutting oh, and then the right. next day I'll spend also, I've kind of got a mini assembly yeah, line yeah, yeah. just of myself because it's, it's a little uh, time consuming to, to jump task. Yeah. To do just to do one from start to finish when you could just repeat the same task. Oh, right, and, right. you know, so, I mean, I think today, even though I spent probably less time today doing it. I think I made about 30 masks. So I think by the time I've got this tune, which what I'm hoping to do uh, is partner up with this, with this uh, food program that I was talking about before in in the industry. Um, We're going to, the, this industry staff meal um, is going to come with uh, one of my masks. So I'll hopefully be partnering with one of the big brands, uh, liquor brands there uh, who's sponsoring that. And, um, we'll be able to supply uh, a mask to everyone who calls in for that meal. And, you know, these aren't N95 rated masks, just to be clear. They're um, personal masks and they're simply meant to help curb the spread of, of this virus. But, uh, you know, any little bit helps. And uh, and so, yeah, we'll be I'll be giving some of those away with the meals and then um you know i'll be working to to make a surplus of these masks we're going to donate to um um you know the healthcare industry and um you know some old age homes and and whatnot and and just do what we can i've got three sizes we're doing i'm doing men's and then there's a ladies and teens and children so we've got something for everyone um 
Yeah, and, uh, and the idea is to raise some money. So I've got a GoFundMe page. I've raised uh, a, a quarter of my goal in 20 minutes. So um, things are looking good. I haven't even, you know, been, I haven't had the time to put it out to everyone I want to. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, kind of put some put some love back in, you know, to to these wacky times. Yeah. And you had mentioned to me when uh, you sent me the pictures of the masks, you had mentioned that the money that you raised through the GoFundMe, you're thinking of donating to a hospital. Had you made a decision where that money is going to go or you're not certain yet? Yeah. Well, I mean, yes. Uh, to answer your question, I guess, yes. Uh, I'm going to be donating the initial goal to uh, Sunnybrook. Okay. And and then we'll go from there. Um, friends of mine who've, who've had this going on for a week now have changed their, you know, and, and I'm, I'm crossing my fingers right now, but they've had to change their goal three times because they've hit three different goals. Um, so what I'm hoping to do is um, you know, assuming I can achieve uh, this thousand dollar goal that I've set, I'm, I'm hoping I can donate that to Sunnybrook and then, you know, maybe donate, you know, the next uh, goal somewhere else and and go from there. So and then the, the money I'm getting is uh, is going to cover some materials, assuming I might have to buy more, which I've got a lot of fabric here that I've kind of hoarded over the years. So I'm happy to go through that, you know, but I'll, I'll use, I guess, some of the funds just to cover more, more, uh, fabric if I need it. But I mean, that's a, that's a while away. So hopefully, um, we'll be able to get some money in the, in the right hands. Right on. He knows now how much fabric he has because now it's all in the same room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, literally it's in, it's in my master hoard now. Oh, <laughs> Do you have any idea, Chris? Like I honestly have no, so, Okay. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a backstory here. Mark said to me the other day, maybe yesterday even, I don't know, I've lost all track of days and times and weeks and months. I have no idea what's happening. Mm-hmm. But he had said to me that he knows somebody who owns, was it a bar or a restaurant? I, I don't remember now, but um, that apparently the monthly expenses for this person were like $20,000 to keep this place going. Oh, it could be. I mean... I've, I've been, you know, toying with the idea of opening up my own bar. And so I've been doing some kind of preemptive research on, um, you know, just uh, location and whatnot. And, you know, your, your TMI on a venue, even the smallest one that I looked at could, could run you $4,000 a month. And that's just the TMI. Yeah. It's not a very large spot. Yeah. And that's just the, the TMI alone, you know, then they've, they've got all this, money sunk into product that's sitting there and you know i mean at this point whatever spoiled is spoiled yeah and i mean then you've got a huge inventory of liquor which isn't you know cheap and that's sitting there and i know some places um i i I don't know any any one person specific that i could reference but i know some venues that have been um i mean with some some slack being given in liquor laws takeout uh, currently you you have like packaged um you know takeout drinks but um some places have been selling like full bottles of of liquor yeah i saw in a on a Remember the, remember, as if you weren't here. Sorry, Chris. I was talking to Mark and I'm like, remember that time? Like we, we literally do everything together, obviously. Um, Julia, the nurse that we interviewed, the one that tested positive for COVID. I don't know if I had showed you on her Instagram story oh, shortly right. after she was on our episode. A friend of hers, I guess, oh, yeah, told I a restaurant owner like in her neighborhood about what had happened. So Chris, I'll give you some backstory. Uh, she's somebody that I went to high school with. She's a nurse at a downtown Toronto hospital. 
hospital and she actually tested positive for COVID-19. So she was in isolation for a couple of weeks and one of her friends told- She was quarantined. She was quarantined. The rest of us aren't. Yeah, we're isolated. We're isolated. She's, she was quarantined. Um, so she, one of her friends had told a restaurant owner about her situation and this restaurant owner wanted to do something nice for her. So he sent over to her condo like a whole bunch of food. It was a, it was a West Indian place. So she got all this really, really good food. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he sent her a rum punch kit. So he sent her the rum and all of the stuff that he would put in the rum yep. punch at the bar with instructions so she could make her own rum punch while she was quarantined yeah, was at cool. home, which I thought was really sweet. Something I'll say that like out of this, you know, really tragic situation that we're in and, and, and time right now, it's, it's funny. I've never felt better about humanity than right now when you when you witness some of these things that happen it's really sappy to say because like i i I tend not to really show you know a lot of emotion i'm not that guy that like cries at movies and stuff guy i think i've ever met so yeah (laughs) yeah possibly but but you know he's got the biggest balls ever okay (laughs) i need to see a doctor for that um yeah but like you know just to be you know frank and and honest with you i've never been been so like you know, witness to to humanity and the positive things that that like one person can do for another than in these times. And like, I don't remember the last time. This is so sad. I don't remember the last time I I like literally cried as much as I have in like the last three weeks. Just that like anything and everything. I don't know if I'm just like stuck in an apartment and overly emotional or what, but like some of this stuff is just like I mean, it's it's tragic. It's awful. And then you see people banding together and like you watch this stuff when when you know, Italy was just like, shit was hitting the fan there. And you watch these people like, you know, singing opera to other people on their balconies. And, you know, one guy's leading a yoga class off the roof and he's got like 10 other people in eyesight doing the yoga class with him. And, you know, there's, there was another couple, uh, I think it was two girls. I saw this was actually blew my mind. They were legit. And like, I could never do this, but they were legit playing tennis. I saw on the that rooftop. video. Yeah, 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 I saw yeah that. on the rooftop from one building to another. And I'm just like, like, it's just, it just goes to show it's you like what, what you can do when you're just, you know, you know, stuck and have to rely on your own wit to to kind of get you through, right? It, it makes you hopeful because as I've been saying through this whole thing, I mean, I'm with you in the fact that I'm feeling all the emotions. It's a roller coaster. Some days I'm a little sad. Some days I, you know, I, I've been trying to figure out in the morning, like, how do I feel today? And then I base my, my daily plan on however I'm feeling. I don't try to force productivity if I'm just not having it. Um, if it's a day that I feel like I need to be productive and I need to do stuff, then I make a plan and I do that. But over this entire uh, course of being uh, a home for this past six, seven weeks, whatever it's been now, I've been saying that the reason I don't feel like hopeless, the reason I feel a little bit hopeful is I think that we are so much more resourceful than I ever realized that we were. Like you said, now that we're in this position where we have no choice but to be, look, Mm -hmm. you haven't, you haven't, you know, dusted off your sewing machine and how long and suddenly you're yeah. like, fuck, people need things. Hey, I have fabric. Hey, I have a sewing machine. I'm going to sew for eight to 10 hours a day. You could sit on your ass, drink vodka and play video games, but you're not. 
right? Yeah, but but I have. Well, I mean, you're allowed. <laughs> you're human. You're allowed to have. You're allowed to do that too. But uh, people are reaching out and helping other people, even if it's just checking on them. Um, I was talking to a friend today, um, and she was telling me she has an, a a friend who's a RMT, and I I kind of know her RMT friend, and she was telling me that you know she's really struggling and she's not doing so well, and you know between having to homeschool her kid and not working and you know the financial stress that she's under. And uh, she was like, do you think you could call her? Because I've just been like calling people just to, you know, see how they're doing. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll call her. Like, if that's mm-hmm. if that's the least I could do is call someone and try to make them feel better, then yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, it's good, right? Like, that's, that's the, I think that's the one thing that people um, are missing out on more than anything is just that human touch, just that ability to like hug someone just for no reason, like give them a high five or whatever, you know, whatever your, you know, goofy special handshake is or something. It's just... You know, those those are the things that are going to change. And, you know, there are things that will never be the way we were accustomed to having them. And obviously, humanity is pretty resilient and everyone's going to get through this. I I know that they're already um, actually through some bartending groups I'm part of. um, Someone already shared the um, I guess the package that um, Ford laid out um, for when, you know, certain levels of industry go back, you know, to work. So. Just the fact that that's already being shared means that we're we're not that far from coming out of this. It's not going to be a you know said and done when when industry starts up again. But um, it's definitely what you need to happen. Those are the kind of the, the stepping stones that you're going to have to take to get there. So, what generally are people in your industry saying that it's going to look like? Because like I know for RMTs, there's a ton of like Facebook RMT groups, and that's always one of the biggest conversations is, what do you think the massage therapy industry is going to look like when this is over and done with? Yeah, we can't exactly be six feet away from our clients. No. What do you think or what's what's the talk in your circle about what your industry might uh, look like? In all honesty, majority of uh, friends that I talk to who I work with or, or are, you know, otherwise employed in the industry the opinion still seems to be that we're uh, um a ways away from you know what we recognize as the norm you know like you you sure enough like you can open a restaurant and you know you can get to that point where you have diners in there but what does that look like is that is that like where you had 40 tables in your restaurant now you're allowed to have you know 10 of those sad at is is that the experience you're looking for when you go out and this is what we were like really talking about the other day when mark mentioned you know the person that said that their overhead was i think i think he said twenty thousand dollars a month something in that ballpark and immediately that's what i thought of like okay so when this person is allowed to reopen their establishment but they're maybe only allowed to have a quarter of the guests in at the time are they going to be able to pay that overhead? Like, how yeah. do you go back functioning at this, you, at this you point? You don't. You don't. I, I think you're going to, even even when this starts to open up, and let's say best case scenario, um, it, it opens up completely uh, next week. There are still going to be outlets who are, are going to be battling for even even months before they realize it's just a, a lost cause. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's been some write-ups I've read where, and they're talking about bar owners who um, have just, uh, you know, given up on that. Like they own a bar. Maybe mm-hmm. they just lost it or or they're getting out before they lose their shirts, so to speak. But yeah. um, they're, they're, you know, kind of heeding or, or giving the warning to, you know, future bar owners where they're like, is this really what you want to be into? Because now that this is out there and now that they're talking about 
best case scenario, you get a, a vaccine. Um, you know, there there could be some mutation of this, and and this is just a regular occurrence every year. Like, what what does that look like? Are you are you shutting down industry on a on an annual basis for a month? Like that at the second that you you know you see something you know weird uh, in healthcare, it's um, you know so so you know there's one article I read where this bar owner was just like you know don't bother getting into this industry because it, it takes this you know something like this and and all your dreams just get squashed i don't know how business survives to be honest i i couldn't even imagine like i was i was the closest i've ever been um you know i wasn't ready to put any money down you know on brick and mortar and and move in but you know i i'm i was working towards that and and actively you know you know doing what i had to 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 get to that goal and um you just sit there and it's like, there's places I have a friend of mine who left where I work. He was, he worked right next, like right beside me um, at the bar. And um, he left where he worked to open up another bar. Now he was just going there to manage, but um, their open date was after this happened. So they, so this business owner sunk all this money into it yep. and didn't even open the doors. Yeah. Like what relief is there for that? There is none. There's there, like, there's that's nothing. It. That's it. You're done. Like we had, uh, we have friends who is a very similar situation. They had their grand opening the weekend before, like March 14th, 15th. They had a grand opening at their place. They were already practicing like extra precautions and had to have less people come to the place. And, you know, there was already mm-hmm. physical distancing in place, but they decided to go forward with the grand opening because the place was done. Like all that, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was ready to go. So basically they had a grand opening party and then shut their doors on monday so that business is beautiful and brand new and has never earned a dime yeah and and then what's available to you and here's the thing before i I go on a a short rant here because i i am i am actually quite you know proud of what our our government has done because you you watch you know these leaders and and they're working with um something they've never seen before how do you possibly anticipate you know monetarily where where these funds have to go and how much goes here and how much goes there and and so you know the the government comes up with this forty thousand dollar loan program for small business and the idea is that um ten thousand of it will be forgiven when you when you pay you know 30 of it back um you know to to keep your business running to to help to reopen it and whatnot but like what happens if you can't pay that back. Well, and so now you've just exactly incurred it. a bigger loss yeah. The, yeah. to the government. And like, what are they going to do? Are they are they going to defer that? And and some of these people, I mean, if maybe you're not that savvy in business, and maybe you've got your name on the line, so now you lose your house, right? Like, it's 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 pretty frightening. So so here's the question for you moving forward: Is it is it better to be a business owner? Because I think everyone in 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 their own right would love to do it, whatever that business might be. You you want to say like, this is mine. Um, but is the smarter play to, you know, to invest in, in brick and mortar, or is it just to get paid hourly and know that you have nothing on the line for it? I mean, you might not live as lavish a lifestyle, but in the long run, maybe you are better for it, you know, because, you know, my boss is, is making money hand over fist when the doors are open and I'm there working, but, you know, right now, even even just getting, you know, two grand a month from the government, I'm making more than they are like they're just hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging yeah, money yeah. right now. Yeah. Like the like the the 
property taxes on the venue that I work at that I'm talking about is probably six figures. It's crazy. Well, like you said, like the places that you've worked in, they are they're not the ones that are in a lot of trouble right now. Like, yes, they're funneling money out and nothing's coming in. Like nobody likes that, but they will survive. It's the small businesses, the small businesses that was already hand to mouth. Well, and like you said that, um, maybe weren't so business savvy, you know, like we've talked Mm -hmm. to some therapists and, you know, I'm not, I'm not placing, I'm not placing blame or anything, (laughs) but I've talked to some therapists that I realized, well, Part of the reason that you, you know, you're in such a shitty position right now. Because you didn't make any money. Is, yeah. Because you didn't want to work. You didn't build up your business (laughs) enough. You didn't want to work. You didn't have any money aside. Because you always hear that from the massage therapist. I don't want to work more than six people a day. I don't want to work more than five days a week. Like, you're you're telling me you want to work part time. Yeah. You know. It's not a business. It's not a successful one anyways. Yeah. I mean, like, we've got some massage therapist friends who are, you know, they're doing all right because they had a decent business model. And now again, I'm not, you know, trying to offend anyone because there are there are specific situations that you could be in trouble right now for example if you are a newer business or you had just opened or you know you were in the process of expanding like i said what if you just dumped all of your savings into renoing a, a new place and then bam you're shut down like there are some really good reasons to be struggling right now but there's also like the people who maybe just weren't so business savvy and were, yeah, like they needed every dollar that they made to keep themselves afloat. I almost feel like the the hardcore business owner, as stupid as this sounds, okay, we don't wish ourselves in this position, but I'm open to the challenge to get myself out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at, at this point, especially like you're it's sink or swim, right? You know, when we were kind of kicking around the idea, well, what's the better thing in the long run to take the hourly wage, you know, and, and, and work mm-hmm. a job and not have to worry, or you got your moments of greatness, but then you got to deal with the shit. And I think someone that, that really goes into business because they like it and they like being an entrepreneur, they're okay with eating shit. I know this is like yeah. an extreme of, of shit. Yeah, this eating. is an extreme that no one could have imagined, but either way, the people but that still. are going to get through this are the people who have Mark's mentality that like, I'll, I'll figure out a fucking way. Like I'll, figure it yeah. away you know we're not going to throw in the towel we're going to figure out a way to, to keep we'll our- be, we're fine yeah we're fine we're going to figure yeah. out a way to keep ourselves afloat but it's like i said it to you off mic part of the reason we wanted to have you on here is because you know all we ever do is talk to rmts and i see how much they're struggling and i really feel for them but maybe even to offer some perspective like other industries like the service industry like if you don't have guests in your establishment if you don't have people buying the cocktails and ordering the food and like it is so expensive to keep these places afloat and the owners are fucked because nothing mm-hmm. is coming in and even if they got a quote $40,000 loan based on the numbers that mark was telling me on a bigger place well then what you can keep yourself afloat for a month and a half month and a half, yeah. yeah i mean i've got like i said i've got um friends not not necessarily i mean that applies to all small business right so it's not uh, in particular to hospitality industry but right. i've got a, a friend of mine actually that um owns a, a karate dojo like karate school and uh you know very small business uh great guy um you know deals with with kids which i when i I think is great. Um, and you know, he's online all the time asking for people's opinions because it's not the government. I mean, the way it reads is we're going to give you 10 grand. That's the way it reads because that money, uh, assuming you pay back the loan is, is, um, just removed from, you know, the entirety of the loan. So government gives you 40 grand. You've basically got 40 grand to keep your business afloat. And the expectation is you will return 30 of it, 
I don't know what it is within like two years or three years or something like that. But, you know, you're still taking on 30 grand. So now you've taken on 30 grand in debt. I don't know how it reads on the books. It might read like you've taken on 40 grand from the start. And then, you know, the 10 is sorted out along the way. But, you know, taking on an additional 30 grand when right now you're probably in the hole is is like, what do you do? Like, is is the better of a bad bunch to to you know, shut the doors on your business. Well, and that's the thing is there's just so much uncertainty. Exactly. You don't, you don't know, know when, when you're going to be able to back, reopen, right? when you're going to have an income. So I don't even like, I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't qualify for a loan anyway. We don't have any employees. All of our, the people that work mm-hmm. with us are contractors. So, you know, yeah. we're not going to get anything, but even if we could qualify, nope, nope, that's nope. something we've talked about. I'm like, I don't want debt. Like that is absolutely yeah. not interesting to me. And um, like I said before, the rent relief, we're not, we're obviously not going to qualify for that either just based on the fact that we don't rent from a private landlord so you know mm-hmm. this company that we rent from they're not going to be interested in applying to the government to help us out basically it's you yeah. know pay us or leave but even even that like how many landlords are going to be willing to give up 25% of their income i feel like a mm-hmm. lot of people are going to say no thanks and the the people that are renting should probably just say like, I'll pay the 50, you know, if the government's going to pay 50, I'll pay the 50. So you get a hundred percent just so they can keep Mm -hmm. your place. Unless, as you said, if you know that you're just going to be funneling money into a place and you're, you're killing yourself and it's causing so much stress, maybe the right solution is to close the doors, which is super sad, but you push anything else into it. It is sad. And especially in, in my industry, because like, I mean, these are, these are, are, you know, kind of one-off establishments. The idea is that, you know, uh, no two are the same, right? So you're going to miss out on, on, on that, like kind of artistic, you know, kind of, you know, spin that someone puts on their, on their business. At least that's the idea. And that's what, you know, would attract me personally to your, to your bar. But again, like lending back to a previous conversation about, um, you know, having a brand new spot and not even be, being able to open the doors, like you're not talking about having the option to just be like, okay, well, you know, I lost, you know, 40 grand on my investment. It's better than losing 80 grand. So I'll shutter the doors. Like some of those places have just signed 10 year leases to get the best deal they could. Yeah. Like, you know, and now you're, now you're stuck. You're legally, you know, you know, tied down to this lease. So it's, it's weird, but like, you know, there's, there's, there's a whole lot of new that's going to come out of this. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what directions things go. I, I will say this, uh, I'm a firm believer that with all the, um, you know, kind of edits to, to liquor laws and, and, and sales and whatnot, um, I, I don't see how the government can, can ever go back from where we are. Um, you know, so I, I don't think they're going to stop bars from being able to, you know, sell cocktails to go. Um, you know, I, I, I'm hoping, part of me hopes that it kind of opens the doors to, um, you know, to, to, you know, just creating some more slack on those laws, uh, even from where we are. I'm immediately just picturing Toronto becoming Vegas, like everyone <laughs> walking down the streets with those like tall glasses with ridiculous straws drinking. Well, this goes to what we, this, this, this goes along the lines of what we talked about last night, but we just talked about it in the reverse. We talked about when there's some sort of tragedy like this, there's often, you know, government policy that comes in and it's very rigid and very tight. And then when that, that threat or whatever the scenario is that called that emergency action, 
injunction into play is gone, the policy remains. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're just talking about this on the opposite end, this laxity in the policies. And does that remain? Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of funny that um, you can get into trouble um, with both of these things. So uh, you talk about, um, you know, the pot industry and you talk about the a- alcohol industry and um, you know, there's a lot of similarities between the two, you know, in, in that um, you can't drive while you're inebriated and, you know, obvious things like that and whatnot. But but really, like, how did it go from pot was just completely outlawed to now you can, you know, basically get stoned on the street and yet you still can't walk around with with a bottle of beer and have a drink like I, that to me is just I, I, I can't get my head around it what the difference you know is what? I, I, could, I don't someone know someone could tell me the answer and I could just sit there and go okay I'm an absolute moron but I don't understand the difference right now I I think it's all about policing yourself I mean if if you're you know smoking this massive you know um you know joint on the street and you decide to take your pants off and run around the middle of the intersection at Young and Dundas yeah I get it you're you're gonna get busted but if you're you know, in a suit and you're walking down, you know, Bay Street and you're smoking a big cannon, like there's nothing anyone can do. Is that true, though? That's what I was going to say. I don't know cannabis laws well enough yet, I I guess. Like, can you just smoke on the middle in the middle of the street or are there laws of about that as well like i don't know can you hmm. i don't think you can but no one's gonna no, no one's, one's gonna, gonna say anything you, yeah. it's one of those things it's 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 mm. very strange i see it, it it's like prostitution right prostitution is legal yeah the illegal part is soliciting a prostitute yeah. right yeah. so like you can't have one without the other so it's the same concept right okay cannabis is legal but you can't smoke it here you can't smoke it here you can't smoke it here you can't smoke it like you can't smoke it anywhere other than your place do you see what i'm saying yeah so mm. but no one's gonna maybe say i've been anything. going about this wrong then <laughs> <laughs> no no one will say anything if you're, if you're walking down the street and you're you're puffing away i'm just gonna reference this show on youtube and be like well they said it was fine <laughs> it's, it's totally fine well you know what but i'm stoned right now <laughs> i definitely smell weed everywhere now like we work in a private office building and it's a whole bunch of private offices you know there's like real estate offices there's um insurance uh property management you know all of private school yeah so it's a, a bunch of different offices and i'm telling you the minute that cannabis became legal in in this country i would walk into my building and i'm just walking by people in the hallways and everybody smells like weed i'm like oh okay so i obviously know that all of you guys were potheads before and you were just waiting to be allowed to like smoke it before you came to work like yeah it's amazing oh yeah so funny what do you want to know from chris like i know you really wanted to have him on to talk about the hospitality industry the restaurant industry is there anything that he didn't cover no i think he did fucking awesome i do have a couple questions just yeah just random questions Sure. When you first started mixing drinks, cr- making creations, mm-hmm. tell me what the worst thing you ever fucking made was. Like you had a swig of it, and you're like, "Fuck, I'm, I'm never putting these things together again." Um, I, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I could really pick one out from early on because uh, I, I'm still doing that on like a daily basis. <laughs> I'd say the only difference now is being—I don't even know if this is going to make sense—but being older and wiser is that I will drink it. Whereas, you know, early on, I'd just be like, oh, this is garbage. I'd throw it away. And now I'm like, wow, I'm, uh, I'll catch a buzz off a couple of these mistakes. And then, you know, one of them's going to be good anyways. But um, <laughs> I, I, I tend to stay away from 
the, the like kind of cream based drinks. Um, there's so much that can go wrong with them. Not even on a flavor, just a texture. Yeah. Cream based drinks are disgusting. No. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. And they're not, they're not great. No. Um, in the beginning, there was a, probably a lot of drinks or cocktails that I, I tried to create that were absolutely garbage. And now I find that there's just, a, there's a lot more that I'm just not content with. It's just not that drink where someone's going to look at you and go, holy shit. Like, what is this? Are you pickier now? Because you know more like is that the problem that you will taste something that uh, somebody else might think this is fabulous and you're like nah no it's not it uh well i i'm i i try to be uh appreciative of you know anything and everything that someone you know asked me to ask me to try i'm not naive everyone's tastes are different um i i also think that the way i approach it when when um friends or colleagues are creating is um, you know, is this right for, for our guests? Um, like I could sit there and be like, this is awesome, but I know for whatever reason that it's just not going to fly, um, w- with the people that we have. Uh, and, and there's different factors behind that. Um, you know, it, it, sometimes it comes down to just cost. It's like, and, and also that not always do like the, the best or premium ingredients make for the best tasting cocktail. There's a lot of ways where you can fudge flavors in these drinks. Some of them involve the alcohol themselves. Um, and, and some of them are just with, um, flavors. I mean, we've got, uh, like lemon juice, it's common in, in, you know, probably I'd say 80% of cocktails out there are some form of citrus, but um, there's so many different variations of citrus that you can use, um, you know, some of them for sake of costing and some of them just, um, you know, for that like kind of international flair that you might want to bring into a cocktail. Um, but, but I'd say this, what it has done for me is um, I've, I've always been a home chef, um, you know, and I don't claim, you know, to be a, a phenomenal cook or, or uh, not, not like, you know, building, you know, beautiful cuisine, plated cuisine for my wife by any stretch. But, um, I, I do love just opening up, you know, the, the cupboard doors and seeing what's in there to have to work with. And that's generally, you know, how I approach bartending is, um, again, working in a luxury hotel, um, my kitchen's pretty stocked. And so I can go in there and see what they're doing. We've got a, um, pastry department upstairs. I can go in there and see what they're doing and what they have. And, um, you know, I've been lucky enough in the industry to you know have that afforded to me um, for the better part of a decade now. But um, to answer your question, I, I still make like bad drinks mm-hmm. and, and I'll, I'll still I mean, I'll say this. What I do enjoy is my employer relies on my creativity. And um, so I do get creative back there and we have guests that come in and, you know, they have, you know, higher expectations given, you know, where they are and you know, obviously the, the cost of a cocktail is a bit more than your pub down the street. So a bit, um, yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> like you see how people come in and just like make me something and you ask them the questions and go from there. And sometimes some of my favorite drinks have come just from literally like 20 seconds of thought. I was going to ask you, do you hate that? Because I'm that person. I'm so annoying. Like if I go to like a really nice place where I can tell, like, again, it's not just a guy behind a bar making rum and Cokes. I am the person that would be like, well, like, what do you make? You know, do you have a signature drink? Like, you know, surprise me. And I'll like, tell them like, you know, I I don't like really sweet or I, you know, I don't like creamy drinks and just, you know, go and I let them be creative. Do they love me or hate me? Um, I personally, I don't mind it. I mean, there are times where I'll say this. I, I never hate people for doing that because where I work, that is precisely the place 
you should be able to go in there and do that. I mean, I, I expect on your end, you know, if I go in for a massage, you're going to ask me questions, right? You're going to want to know what's bothering me or what did you come in here to have done? And 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 I walk you through that. And then I rely on your expertise to, in a perfect world, you know, work, you know, that nod out or whatever. And it's the same thing on the bar. I'm, I, I've decided to make a career from you know, within this industry and, you know, and I, I do take things personally, um, you know, in a, in a positive way. And, you know, so when, when someone affords me the opportunity to make them something, I'm, I'm all over it. Now I do want some help because what I will say a bit of a burr in my bonnet is when, you know, someone asks you for creation and you get all the information you need. And usually I'll err on the side of caution because I'm not drinking it. They are. And I bring it up and, and they don't like it. And that's, that's fine. I'll say this. That's fine. But you know, I would fake when it you, by when the you way. Tell me to go. Yeah. Well, I, I tell people, I give it to them. I go, I go, I'm going to make you something, but I need you to be 100% honest. And and this might not work everywhere because again, I, I do work in a high end establishment. Um, it does afford me to um, kind of comp some drinks and that's the idea is the guest is always happy, right? Like you want these, uh, uh, one of my previous employers, one of their models was, uh, we're creating guests for life. And so, um, you want that person to come back. I don't want to ruin their experience. I don't want them to have a bad opinion of me because, you know, we all know you, you experience a, a negative situation. You tell everyone you can, you yeah. experience a really positive one and you get bored after you tell, you know, one or two people. Um, so it's a lot easier to get kind of negative press about you. And, I don't need that in my life any more than anyone else does. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to get it right. But I will say this, if you come at me, you know, three times with you, you want me to make you something and you don't want to drink it after the third time, then I think yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you're like. about done with each other. <laughs> yeah. What's I'm your, like, here's what's your, your here's your vodka soda. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have some people ask me, what do I really enjoy making? I've always loved doing, um, egg white sours. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of texture and, and, uh, visceral style cocktails. So, you know, the flavor, um, is there egg whites, they don't affect aromatically or, or from a flavor perspective, it's more textural. Um, there's some play that you can do on top of it. We've, we've kind of taken some, um, graphics, uh, turn them into stencils and, then you can use an atomizer, fill it up with bitters or whatever you want. And you can kind of um, like almost like a spray can color the stencil on top of the egg white foam. So that that's always fun. I don't know if I could do the texture. It's it's not a it's not a gritty texture. I don't want to tell you that, but it'd be no, it'd be like um if you had a cappuccino kind of that okay. you know texture of foam, that's really, foamy. really um okay. kind of fine bubbles. Um, but it's great and it and it tends to bring the flavors together. Whereas normally if um I don't know, really basic, but if you had like an amaretto sour and you used egg white, the best way for me to explain it is if you just had an amaretto sour with no egg white, you're tasting amaretto, uh, you're tasting uh, lemon juice, you're tasting, um, you know, a sweetener, and you're tasting all of those. If you had an amaretto sour with egg white, you're tasting an amaretto sour. Those flavors have just kind of, you know, combined together. And that's the way it's supposed Holy to shit, be experienced. Eggs that's my opinion. Food and drinks. And I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of magic that can happen. Um, you know, there's all kinds of toys you can use too. Um, some of them aren't seen by guests, um, which is fine. And then some of them are actually flashier and meant to be seen. I purchased for uh, New Year's actually um, a bubble maker. 
um, which you can see online. It's all over the place now, but it actually blows um, bubbles and um, you can uh, fill those bubbles with scent that comes with it. They have this like kind of uh, liquefied um, scent cartridge that you plug in there. And um, it, it looks like a toy gun. It's plastic. This one I have is black and it's got neon pink on the, the tip of it and all this stuff. And you can literally um, blow bubbles and they'll kind of stick to the liquid on the top of the, the cocktail and the rim of the glass. And you've got this cocktail with a big bubble on it and you pop it their guest pops it and all this you know aromatic smoke comes out and stuff it's oh my god super cool i think i super i cool. underutilized you every time i've actually <laughs> been a guest at one of your bars like i was i was yeah. ordering very very basic <laughs> drinks man i should have been asking uh, well, for fancy holy shit I, I may have learned a few tricks <laughs> since, since uh you came in last but yeah oh wow yeah come in for sure I mean, getting back to this whole conversation about uh, industry assistance and stuff like that, there's going to be some some serious favors I'm going to owe to some people when we come out of this. So, <laughs> I, I, my my personal bar tab at work might look a little insane. <laughs> I just got a couple more for you, really quick. Then, mm-hmm. women between 47 and 55 is there a standard drink that happens there? Right, is this market um, research for you? <laughs> how, to, how to pick up some cougars? <laughs> just, just wondering. Just wondering. Just wondering. Uh, no, no, and, and I am your man. <laughs> Um, well, at my establishment, it's um, definitely wine. Wine's a go-to uh, for just about everyone. But from a cocktail perspective, I- I'd probably go classic martini. Mm-hmm. You know, real, real simple. Um, you know, and clean. Uh, it's like a, you know, I don't know what you want to call it. It's probably awful of me to say, but like a skinny girl cocktail, right? <laughs> There's nothing added to it or anything. It, it, uh, you know, the point is made when you're done. You know, you've kind of down three ounces of juice at that point, so. Um, yeah, that's that's probably it. So next time you're at a a, a bar by yourself, <laughs> slide that one down the bar. <laughs> Why are you shaking your head? Shaking my head right now, Chris. Yeah, I love you, this. When you are finished sewing seven thousand masks and need a massage, when I'm allowed to touch people again, you may get an elbow. <laughs> uh, I might need an elbow after sewing. Yeah, like you probably masks, you're gonna so. need me after all of this. I, I mean, I haven't. I know that was my that was my favorite thing. Like, I don't know. It felt like you're just. Standing on top of me what is that like a time massage or something when i used to see you like when i was at the clinic midtown i hadn't learned time mm-hmm. massage yet but mm-hmm. i actually do know how to do time massage now really what do you know i've never had a time massage interesting yeah no i wasn't doing that when you were a client mm. i wasn't i i was pretty new actually you were probably like in the group of like my first clients. So I'm hoping that since you've had a massage by me, I'm much better now. <laughs> you've well, gotten better I'm hoping the same drinks. on my end. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm definitely hoping the same on my end. Um, there was something I was going to ask and I've totally forgotten it. Cause I want to get back to the masks for you to give out your information, mm-hmm. but there was something that I wanted to ask before we got there, and it has totally fallen out of my brain. Were you done asking your drink questions, sir? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we'll, he'll text me later. Oh, I've got it. It, w- it was one more drink question, actually. Yeah. Do you yeah. have um, a favorite liquor? Like, are you a vodka person, a rum person, a gin person? Do you have a favorite? Um, I, I do enjoy anything and everything. Um, I do like uh, trying new spirits. Um, usually when I travel, I come back with a bottle of like, you know, whatever the most unique spirit is I can find or whatever is kind of native to that, you know, area that I'm traveling to. Yeah. But uh, Aperol is big for me. Um, and then to get like really punchy and, and, you know, geek out on on the craft, like 
I can't go wrong without uh, chartreuse and uh, maraschino liqueur. Two of my favorite things are just unbelievable together and separate and all that stuff. Man, you know who he should be talking to? He shouldn't be on our podcast. He should be on Dom's podcast. <laughs> we have yeah. a RMT um, who's a podcaster as well. And the premise of his show is it's called The Spirit of RMTs. And he invites RMTs to come on to an episode. And he makes them a cocktail that he based on like some questions he asks them. Mm-hmm. Like he tries to figure out based on their personality, oh, that's what awesome. kind of cocktail they would enjoy. And so, yeah, he makes his guests a cocktail. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a pretty cool concept. So, yeah, you would probably get along talking to him. I'd wonder, I wonder what he would make you, and I wonder what you would make him. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, I do want you to give out information, if you want to, for people who maybe want to help you out, who want to purchase masks I would, I would love donation. to. Yeah, I would give love us some to. info. Um, so, yeah, sewing masks for... Uh, uh, food and beverage industry, healthcare industry, um, you know, friends and family. Um, uh, obviously, uh, I'm using my own fabric right now, which, you know, I've got plenty of, but at some point I- I'd like to get to that time where uh, I've just simply run out of fabric. Um, so anyways, I'm raising money um, through GoFundMe page, uh, which I'm a little new to this. So I'm just going to give some information. Um, the-, the page itself is called COVID Face Mask Fund. Um, and there's a picture of me at my sewing machine. And uh, my name is Chris Rail. Last name is spelled R-A-I-L. So I hope between those two things, people can find me. Um, but uh, yeah, looking to raise money to donate to uh, Sunnybrook Hospital. Uh, I've got a goal set at $1,000. And uh, I'll be uh, extremely happy to share that I only pressed uh, go on this thing um, just before we started the podcast and I'm halfway to my goal of a thousand dollars already. Yeah, I actually saw the link go right up on. on your Facebook page right yeah. before we called you. So that yeah, is true, so. ladies and gentlemen. He's only had this live for, you know, maybe an hour and a half and already $500 raised. So that's amazing. Good yeah. for you. And then on the, um, you know, as far as purchasing the masks, because um, this is uh, simply a, a fundraiser on GoFundMe, but if you wanted to um, purchase masks, the money from that would go um, to the fundraiser as well. But uh, I'm selling masks for $20 each or three for 50. And the idea is that, um, you know, generally when you buy one, you're, you're funding the costs of um, five more masks. So I'm not, not um, putting my you know time into this cost at all because um, I'm donating my time obviously, but um yeah, I'm hoping to help out some other people. I don't want anyone to feel any way about not being able to, um, you know, pledge any money uh, towards my GoFundMe page. But I, I do not want um, anyone to go without if they, um, you know, feel kind of uh, inadequately equipped when they go outside, um, you know, and can't afford to get a face mask or anything. So I'm more than willing to uh, talk to people uh, privately to, um, you know, figure out what they may or may not be able to afford to get them some masks too. And I've got three sizes, men, uh, women and teen and children. So I've got something for everyone. There's some cute fabrics there too. And, and some other stuff that I'm, I'm working on right now. So yeah, Amazing. be great. Uh, if anyone, um, can donate, you can, um, you can contact me through the GoFundMe page as well. Um, to talk about anything else when we put the episode up we will link it for you so that's that people awesome can people can check it out Sweet. oh and then one more thing um uh i will be editing this uh, i'm just working with a few other people on the back end 
um, from a donation standpoint. But um, the idea is that um, next weekend, I'm, I'm planning to do a, a 24-hour uh, sewing session just to try and beef up, um, you know, the fundraising end of it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sew from um, Friday at noon through to you know, kind of Saturday. Maybe we'll see if I can keep going. Depends how the uh, fundraising is going. Can you give us the date on that? Because depending on when yeah. this recording uh, okay, goes out. Okay, sure. So let's see. It'll be... Saturday. So that would be May so be the 9th, 9th, right? It's yeah. Mother's Day weekend. Yeah. We're doing it uh, 8th and 9th. So yeah, sweet. Maybe I'll put a little spin on it for Mother's Day. But that that's some stuff I'm still working on the back end. Obviously, like I said, this... GoFundMe page is about an hour and a half old, so there'll be some more details coming down the pipe. Cool, cool. Well, it's been nice catching up with you, client. I haven't seen in what feels like forever. Thanks for the invite, guys. This is the most I've ever heard you talk because I always always see you when you're working. And and on top of that, I don't really speak, so... (laughs) Oh, listen, neither do I. I I don't know if anyone else is like this, but like you you talk so much at work and I get home and I don't know. I I try not to be. Part of me feels like I'm the most antisocial person there is. Is, but I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I've been wrong before. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't it funny that both of you married women who are incredibly social? Might I add, strong beautiful intelligent women you're such a smart man Chris. is she right beside you that's is she from, right there that's from mark and myself uh, right See, big balls i told you i yeah. told you i love it well if there's nothing else that you gentlemen need to discuss then we should probably let chris get back yeah, to okay. his regularly scheduled life sure one quick dirty right right now have have you ever have you ever made yourself like a superhero outfit have i made myself a superhero outfit yeah because if you haven't you should try it whatever whatever fabric you got left over make like a make like a you skin got me type super superhero in outfit. Now. You want to know what's funny? And it with popped, a cape and everything. It literally just popped into my head right now, and I, and I think I can say this because we're 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 close enough in age. I think I think. But yeah, you guys do, are about the same age. Do you, do you remember that? This is who popped into my head. Like I should do this as soon as you said it was. Do you remember it was a uh, what is it the greatest american hero do you, do you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yes yes i With do the blonde curly afro or yeah 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 <laughs> oh man i just went somewhere sideways there yeah anyways All right. <laughs> oh man well this has been fun and it was really it was really nice to uh hear from somebody in a different industry i mean i love talking to my rmts but i i wanted to hear about other people and how they're dealing with this so thank you for sharing so much with us awesome. oh, thanks it's been fun you guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone peace